Thank you. Zach has to watch out after me. And if he's not around me uh, all day long, which a lot of times he is, which I'm sure sometimes he wished he wasn't, <laughs> he has to watch out everything that I do or I don't do because I forget to do things. And I find myself forgetting more and more things as time goes on. So, he's my memory, huh? What are you going to do when he gets married? I'm not going to let him. Oh, Still gonna, I'm going to carry him around everywhere I go. It's going to work. I mean, you know. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Twice I guess. as hard. <laughs> That's your biggest or she has to come along with me everywhere I go. And so he has to drag her along. <laughs> you didn't know about this, did you, Zach? Didn't know the Just, this was the plan. We were getting a little off subject. That's biblical. Is that biblical? Oh, good. <laughs> Well, that's what he has planned for his boys, too. That's right. Bob and I are the same age, and we realize what's happening. No, I better speak for myself. I, I'm the one that has the problem. So. <laughs> anyway, the the Holy Spirit, uh, that uh, that promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We looked at that, and that is to say that the Spirit himself, which uh, the Old Testament promised, is really uh, given as a fulfillment to uh, to that promise. He even promised it to Abraham. And if you go to Galatians, you can see that. You say, wait, we're supposed to be in the Old Testament. But uh, in Galatians, we see Abraham that's mentioned. And it's talking about the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit. promise of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 3, 14. And he says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The Spirit was promised ages ago in the Old Testament. And, of course, you can look in passages uh, that deals with the, the covenant of God uh, with His people, and whether it be Jeremiah or Ezekiel. I'll put my Spirit within them, as it says in Ezekiel, for instance, and uh, chapter 36, I believe. So, what a, what a promise that is. And it come to fruition uh, in, in, the, in a fullest sense at, uh, at Pentecost. And Paul is showing here that as being a Christian, you have this promise of the Spirit who is present now with him. So quite, quite uh, enlightening. And uh, he not only uh, comes, but he seals us. That means we are secure in him. We are assured because of that seal. We, uh, it uh, can be it's proven to us that this is authentic. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us. Romans 8 says, We know that uh, what we believe is true because of the Spirit who bears witness with uh, our spirit. And we know that He has uh, taken ownership of us. Nice to be sealed, isn't it? So, uh, by the way, Joel prophesied about this too. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the prophet Joel said, And it will come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And uh, then we see if it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. And we know that uh, Peter picked up on that in Acts 2 as he uh, made that uh, great sermon. And uh, people thought he was drunk and everybody else there was drunk. And uh, really what it was was God's Spirit had come upon them. And uh, people saw that in a visible way in the, in the way that they were uh, joyful people because the uh, Holy Spirit had come inside and uh, they uh, they definitely showed uh, that there was a, a transformation. 
Now, this seal that we have of the Holy Spirit is linked with this guarantee or pledge or earnest of our inheritance. I'm putting the word earnest up here. Some of you might have guarantee. Some of you might have pledge. And we'll get into uh, what what's going on here with that guarantee. It, it might even be better than a, the word guarantee. Um, translations will vary, but let's see how the word sealed, which is in verse 13, is paired up with this guarantee or pledge, this earnest, in a couple other passages. When you see Paul mention the sealing of the Spirit, he'll also mention this word earnest. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, and he'll put those two words together. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has what? Sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Most of you guys have guarantee, or do you have another word there? Guarantee, it sounds like it for the most, most part. Guarantee. But what do you have? You have the two terms there that are linked. Do we see earnest there somewhere? Okay, that's good. Second um, Corinthians, uh, you're uh, in that book. Go to chapter 5, verse 5. Now, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, uh, you may not necessarily see that sealing, but He's talking about giving the Spirit, which is connected with the sealing uh, of the Holy Spirit and a guarantee. Is this? kind of linked together there, still having that. And, by the way, it's not just talking about a final inheritance, although that's what we look to. There's there's much more. But um, there's a guy by the name of O'Brien that uh, quotes this uh, rather well. He says, In giving the Holy Spirit to us, God is not simula- simply promising us our final inheritance, but actually providing us with a foretaste of it even if it's only a small fraction of the future endowment. We're dealing with a foretaste or a first fruits, something that has already started that uh, we even experience, but we know that uh, he's there. That's, that's this word, uh, uh, guarantee or earnest. And I'll probably prefer to use earnest here over guarantee, and I'll show you why. Uh, the word in the Greek is, Arabone, and that is dealing with an installment. Uh, it's a small part of the full part of the price that's going to be paid. It's a small part. That, that's how that word would be taken as far as the, uh, the Greek world would be considered. Um, let's take that word guarantee and earnest. And some of our translations, they'll have one or the other. You can give something as a pledge or a guarantee which is not of the same nature. Let's say I am going to borrow $20 from Bill right here. And I've got this rock. And that is saying I'm going to guarantee 
But that's worth a lot. That's got footprints on it. <laughs> but, but it's not worth $20. But it's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to pay you what is uh, the, the whole thing. This is just saying that I'm pledging here. I'm making a pledge that I'm going to come through with this. You keep this until I come back with the money. So it's a, of a different nature. It's not of the same kind. I'm not giving him $5, but I'm giving him something that is, uh, is, is pledging. Now, an earnest is a guarantee of the same kind. If I take, okay, Bill, uh, 20 bucks, and I need to borrow that right now, I'll give it back to you, I'll give it to you Wednesday, but until that time, here, I've got two bucks, and I'll pay the remainder of it. Well, when I come back, I won't have to pay him 20 bucks. All I'm going to have to pay him is 18, the remainder, right? It's of the same kind. That rock is not of the same kind. It's something along that lines. It's a pledge. But the, the, those two bucks that I already have, am uh, giving him is part of what is the whole. It's a, a portion of that money. So it's a, uh, in addition to being a pledge, this word uh, that I'll call earnest would be what that means. So that's, that's one difference between a guarantee and an earnest. I think I got one of these things th thrown in my uh, glass today in, in my car. I just heard an explosion. I looked and this glass was going... And it just, it just splintered all over the place. A shattering galore. Must have been a rock something. It must have been a rock. I don't know what it was. But anyway. Somebody could have been shooting at me. Persecution. Driving along the expressway, next thing I know, I'm hearing this shattering, and I'm looking across, and all of a sudden, I don't have a glass here. <laughs> it's just all broken. It's all pouring out on me. And I'm, Am I shot? <laughs> Somebody hit me? Interesting, though. I, that was different. I didn't know what to expect after that. Got home, anyway. <laughs> I don't think your illustrations are complete. Well, you'll have to argue with Martin Lloyd Jones. <laughs> would you give me Would you give me more time on this? Well, go ahead, go ahead. You got it. Okay. Uh, the guarantee. I've received a guarantee different times on different things. Sometimes it was written. Sometimes it was uh, just spoken. I didn't receive anything except that thing, just a spoken word, and. Whether it was any good or not depended on the faithfulness of the person that said it. I've had people guarantee, I'm going to do this for you, never came to pass. But when I, like when I sold a house, I got an earnest money from it, uh, a percentage of the full price, and I could take that and spend it right then. It was good, hard cash that was spendable. I got something tangible for it. There was more coming. But it wasn't just a promise by somebody. It wasn't something that was written. It was a, a portion of the total I was going to get, and I could take and use it right then. It was mine. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. No, I think we're too. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. confused. Okay. Yeah, that's Lloyd, that's what we're saying. Martin Lloyd-Jones. O'Brien. I think I'm taking some of this out of O'Brien and Jones. And, I could yeah. spend the rock, but I could spend the two bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was something that 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 one can use already right there. It's yours, and you can take it out and spend it. It's, it's yours. Uh, 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 
promise or a guarantee. Uh, I've had, well, I'm thinking of one instance I'm not going to relate, but somebody promised, guaranteed something to me that they were going to do. It never comes to pass, and I never got anything out of it. Guarantees are only as good as what uh, as the what person the who makes person who's saying it, right? Yeah. And and in this case, um, that's why um, I don't know. Guarantee humanly may not necessarily mean that much anymore. But when you uh, when you have that, uh, an earnest is actually it's a part of that whole then, isn't it? And it's and it's not returned, uh, but it's it's the rest of it's going to be paid, and uh, of course it's be used. Guarantee that I'm going to receive an inheritance. I can't do anything with it now. Yeah. Until I receive it. Yeah. So if I receive the earnest of my inheritance, I've got a part of it right now. I can use. It's a um, a portion of the total purchase uh, price, I guess, paid in advance uh, as a as a promise. Yeah. It sounds a little more binding, too, than guarantee that. It's more tangible. It's, it's something that is yours now and you can use. Yeah. Would would dowry be a, a kind of a kind of a I guess more of a pledge, but still it's something given and not expected to be returned. Yeah, what? That's all yeah. What's that? Yeah. Oh, it's later. It's yeah. not. You know, not a promise of more. Things. That's a whole lump sum, then, then, right? Okay. I didn't know how that worked. That's why I was thinking that's something that the um, uh, a man gives to his betrothed. Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. The, of a marriage. There's a, a a wife to come, then, right? I thought the diary was what the wife's yeah. family gave to the husband's family. Is that how it works? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around. I thought the husband gave it to the wife's family. Okay. Uh, engagement ring. Uh, you know what? Matter of fact, that word used to be used in the uh, early Greek usage, uh, an engagement ring. Um but you still have all that is is a it's a guarantee. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not of the same kind. Whereas, yeah. um, if yeah. you're talking about money or something else, you can use that illustration. It's going to be of that same kind. That's what mm-hmm. I've noticed. Uh, most of these guys are stressing. Be part of the wedding ensemble. You're going to get a, another ring at the wedding. So a, a, an engagement ring would be an earner. There's a, another ring coming, right? right. A better ring, right? Part of the package, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. What would a pledge be? Like, what is a pledge? Well, when you, when you sometimes a pledge is a promise, or you can you can give something maybe that's not necessarily of the same kind of thing, showing that or you might you might sign a card, pledging that you're going to give this much. That's, I think in our times, that's the way we take a pledge. And that's why I see a lot of these, trans, or not translators, but commentators, when they look at the translations, not that they try to blow you know, the word guarantee or pledge away, but they, they show the slight difference. It's just like what Eldon was saying. 
is that it's it's of that same kind that can be used right now. There's more to come. And um, they put it in different angles. Um, there's this guy by the name of Edie, and I thought he uh, he put it rather well. He says that um, it is the token that the whole sum stipulated for will be given when the term of service expires. The earnest is not withdrawn, but it is supplemented at the appointed period. Uh, but the earnest, though it differs in degree, is the same in kind with the prospective inheritance uh, of the same. There's more to come, only it's going to be like that. Uh, the, the earnest is not withdrawn nor a totally new circle of possession substituted. Heaven, and listen to this, this is what I, I find interesting, is like an addition to the present enjoyments that we already have. We have that, when you think of the whole aspect of eternal life, having the Holy Spirit, there is much more to come, but we start using Him now. I mean, He's He's in us. We uh, we have this. It's a development. Uh, when you get to heaven, what we're doing, what will be there, is what we started developing already here. So we don't see such a break-off as much as sometimes we think of. Uh, what it is is something has already been started. Uh, we enjoy the Holy Spirit on earth right now. You know, we enjoy His His filling and, and all of the things that He does and, and, and His fruit. Um, it, but it's going to be perfected. The same way with happiness. That's going to be perfected. Uh, the, the joy that we have here, it, it's, it doesn't seem like the, the completion or the perfection of it, but we do rejoice today. You know, we, we continue with that. It, it, it will be expanded. It will be refined. It will come to a, a perfect way. So there's an inheritance in a miniature form right now, is the way that he puts it. And, and it's also a pledge. There is a promise there with that pledge, though. So that's where the word pledge will come in there. But it's more than just a pledge. Uh, there's something that is tangible right now. And so the inheritance shall be ultimately and fully enjoyed. So that's what he's stressing. Uh, uh, another guy keeps saying it's a foretaste. The Holy Spirit, all that comes with Him is a foretaste of what uh, is to come. And so it, we're at the first portion of it. That's for real. Illumination? Something to do with the revealed truth? What is it? Illumination. Oh, yes. Where you have that revealed truth to you now by God. Yes. And it, it has something to do with I'm not sure if it what he meant, but that's what the way I understood it. Well, yeah, well, that's one of the... What is revealed to us now. And the Holy Spirit is the one uh, illumining the truth of the Word, the Word and the Spirit going together, and we're able to understand uh, who God is and all the things about Him and the deeper things about Him. Uh, and there were things I did not understand at all before that I can completely see now. I feel like I'm awake. Yeah. And you probably could have gone for years being a Christian, having the Holy Spirit, but not really understanding some of those truths. Now, you were sealed, but to understand all that, what happened, and then what is to come, you didn't didn't really, couldn't fathom all that. I think totally different now. Yeah. I don't really know quite how to describe that. It really is true. I just I look at things differently. I see things differently. 
It reminds Second Corinthians chapter three, being transformed, uh, you know, into the image of Christ, but from one glory to the next level of glory. And, but yeah. we have to admit that the doctrine surrounding the Holy Spirit is certainly one of the more argued points in denominationalism. That you know, today, I mean, because you have people that in in certain denominations that say that you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. Okay. And that there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, you know, since we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it's, you know, I mean, I know it's the elephant in the room, but I mean, it's something that, you know, that is just, just always amazed me how it can get so twisted to the point where from a denominational standpoint, it can be, you know, it's in, 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 mission statements and whatever that, that you know, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And that, that's very scary to me. Um, which, you know, actually, which actually concerns me more than someone actually speaking in tongues. I mean, if somebody just wants to speak in tongues, that's, you know, that's their own business. I mean, I, you know, I, I see it another way, but, but telling me but that... To say I, you're not a believer. Yeah, yeah. To, to tell me I don't have the Holy Spirit because I don't do what you do you know, I think that's where the, you know, where the where the error is. And what I what I think has happened is that there probably uh, has been a lot of the teaching on the Holy Spirit elum- uh, eliminated because they're afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit because they're afraid they'll get over into the bizarre things and and of course that theology well you have to have the speaking in tongues to show that you have the Holy Spirit to show you're a Christian and. There are different degrees on that, but it's become, um, uh, that whole theology has become very divisive, which it shouldn't. You know, I mean, the teaching on the on the Spirit of God is uh, all over Scripture. Here's one right here, you know, and, and uh, it talks about the sealing and, and uh, the uh, this idea of the earnest. Because it also seems to me that if it's, that if it's something that they say just comes upon you, then why do they have classes? That you can take so that you can speak in tongues. You know. How do you know it's being interpreted correctly? Yes. Right. See, I mean, has, you know. I really don't know that that's done today. I don't think that's. that's I haven't seen anything that says that, that is really what's done today. Yeah, there's not a lot of scriptural support be, right. behind it. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, more of an experience-oriented yeah. kind of thing than. But, but also, in, in, yeah. But in but in that, do, you know, do we deny fellowship? You know, with those kind of people because of those beliefs. That's you know, that's also a scary part as far as us, in our in our loving part, in in in, in loving people. You know. Yeah. Well, First John I mean, says, just leave the elephant in the room and just still hang out, and you know. Well, what we, you know. What we we as Christians do today, we have the denominations, we have this theological group and this theological group and this, every, everything's so different, and we tend to just fellowship with just those people. And there is one thing about fellowshipping in that sense and getting together and studying God's Word, but in another sense, um, we're commanded to love 
our our brothers, First John, shows that if we don't have that love, then we're not Christians. I mean, it's just black and white on that. And that's one thing that we, I think we, uh, we've had so many splinter groups off of denominations. From the, you have denominations of denominations of denominations anymore. And I, I've, I've never seen so many uh, ever in my life as it is today. Now you have so many independent churches. You have uh, the denominations that have gone liberal, other denominations that want to stay conservative. And we're, but we're still commanded to love each other. Now, to, to try to get together uh, as far as truth is concerned, uh, if we have that opportunity and say, hey, well, let's, let's come reason together, if we can do that, that's great. But um, I don't think, just to, just to make a unity sake, we all have to come together. But there is that sense, I believe it's a good thing if Christians can um, communicate with each other and talk with each other, especially if they can talk with, with this topic here. Hey, how about the Holy Spirit? I know it's controversial, but let's look at some scripture and let's see where we're at. May not come to an agreement on it, but at least, hey, we can communicate on this. You know, we should be able to do that. When we get to heaven, nobody's going to have a tag on them that says I was a Baptist, <laughs> I was a Baptist, I was an Assembly of God. They're going to say I was a Christian. Won't everybody oh, like that? <laughs> Are you no saying kidding. That most Methodist, Baptists, and Assemblies of God won't be up there? You're not going to know them by that name. It won't matter at all. It's probably even more difficult, you know, because I know that that, that you've taken certain stands on on things that you stock or will not stock, you know, in this store. Um, But at the same time, you've got a lot of different denominations of people that are that are coming in. I think I think one time you mentioned years ago that. Somebody came in looking for a Mary statue, you know, here. And, um, you know, because, you know, and you're, you're not the Catholic store, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. And, and so, it's just, I mean, it's got to be, you know, even more. I mean, I, I can just, you know, blow a lot of that stuff off, but, you know, you being in this location here, you know, you probably see a lot more of it than, you know, Quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's certain uh, things that I know that's doctrinally wrong. Just, I mean, just looking at scripture, and so I, you know, I can't even, I don't even want to start with that. Yeah. You know, there's other things that are questionable. Uh, then you have to make a decision. There's other things that, you know, we have a lot of room to graze. At the same time, we want to truth and love, and sometimes that balance is, you know, you know, you you've got to have that balance, but it, it's sometimes a little difficult, and uh, you know. Boy, there are there are a lot of different uh, a lot of different doctrines flying around with all the different uh, denominations and different thoughts. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, here's the thing: if they are Christians, they have the Holy Spirit. They are brothers and sisters, and I should be able to at least deal with them, talk with them. Uh, hey, we can talk about the things of the Lord together, and uh, you know how far that goes is a, is another thing. But, uh, that's, I guess, the whole reason why that would come up would be because of Holy Spirit, because that is a dividing issue. Sure is. You, you see a whole lot of this, Bill, on Facebook. I don't know if you recognize it, but in the circle of ones that I'm watching, following, dialoguing with, and things like that, it's becoming a whole uh, realm of dialoguing between different denominations and stuff. And it's really, uh, it's neat, but it's a challenge 
you know, you test your own faith in it because, you know, you want to select your words carefully and try to be gracious to people, but yet give them truth and point them to scriptures and they point you to scriptures. You know, it's, there's a lot of that going on in, on the Facebook. Uh, and so it, it, I, I kind of just want to point that out because um, it, for me it's really been great. I mean, I'm, I'm having a blast with it, but, but you know, and there, I'm taking some blasts. And stuff. So yeah, and I bet because I mean I saw one, I saw one where somebody they they were talking about speaking in tongues and somebody used a supporting scripture for speaking in tongues where Paul told I believe it was the Corinthian church, um, I wish that you would speak in tongues as much as I do. Uh huh. So and that was their supporting scripture that yeah that 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 you should or yeah. should be able to and that you know and that if you don't have the Holy Spirit yeah. then where in the Bible does it say that it was going to continue until that time? That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand that. I have a, a really good friend of mine, she's one of my best friends, very much believes in speaking tongues. And just you know, just, just just thinks that's very, very important. And I don't understand the importance that's been placed on that. Yeah, and I think it also got twisted though, I because mean, I mean when it happened at Pentecost, I mean from all of the uh you know, different translations, it was other languages, and everybody's going, wow, these guys are speaking in my languages. And I think where it got twisted was in the passage in, in I think it was First or Second Corinthians, where it, where Paul was starting to explain himself about the spiritual gifts and stuff like that, and that's where they took the passages that say, you know, if a man speaks in a tongue, he's speaking to a god, and, and they, they don't, they think that that's different, that there's a a, a holy language or something, and you know, and that's where I think it got twisted. Because originally at Pentecost, you know, it was other languages, you know, because everybody was gathered there for. And it wasn't you know, so much speaking in other languages as hearing in other languages. Yeah, that, they yeah. were speaking one language and everybody understood it. And they and they were uh, discernible languages, actual yes, with interpretation, actual cultural yeah. languages. Exactly. Yeah. They weren't just jibber jabber. Buy a Toyota, buy a Toyota. Yeah. Okay, we'll get back to our earnest now. <laughs> earnest. Well, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, well, no, it's that's not. It's not far off. No, it's not. It's. It. Hey, I. Didn't bring up you getting married again. <laughs> hey, I can I can put the cap on this one. Uh, when we first became Christians, we went to a Pentecostal church because I was looking for a church, and and you know this was supposed to be a family church, and I just went there. Okay, and, and we went there for about eight months, checking things out and trying to be patient with the whole deal. But I remember one service where. Uh, there was an invitation to receive the Holy Spirit. And some people went down there, and all kinds of things were going on and stuff. But I remember this one poor guy that they had standing there at the altar, the steps or whatever, and two guys praying over him and touching him and everything like that, and just trying to get him in with it. You know, they were trying to like conjure up something in him, and it just wasn't happening. And it was like it took, you know, it was like even after the service, they were still up there working on him. And I was like, this is so weird. So that he could receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, you know, receive the second blessing, whatever you want to call it, you know, just. Be filled. 
you know, and it was like a whole. It doesn't work that way. So I, I just I just wanted to say that you know there are extremes and all this, but um, that we you know that was one of the things that that was a picture of why we couldn't continue fellowshipping in that church. Not that I wouldn't have dialogues or fellowship with the people individually if given the opportunity and stuff, but um, you know that was. We can't conjure it up, can we? Right. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit is uh, is not something that we're told to seek after, are we? He, uh, when one is has been born again. That's whenever He comes into them and uh, seals them. And then, you know, to think about it, you know, we have a portion of heaven, and that portion of heaven is actually God the Spirit. And to know that you are God's possession, and then He's given you everything that you need. God has paid the deposit on you, there's more to come. You know, it's just like there's, okay, He's given you the Holy Spirit. You have no doubt that He's in your life. Uh, this down payment is good, isn't it? It's better than any guarantee any man can ever make. No bank in the world could ever uh, give every customer an absolute guarantee concerning their deposit. Because anything could happen. And in the times that we live in, we know that that's very true. Um, even, you know, banks can crash and go under in a moment. We know about that. No government in the world can absolutely guarantee, uh, you know, your in, your investment or anything that you do as, as far as uh, uh, that is concerned. But But when you believe on Christ and the Spirit of God is there in your life, you're given the seal. You're given this um, earnest. That's a glorious inheritance. And I don't think any eye has ever seen the wonders that lie before us. But to know that we have Him right now. God has told us about it for a lot of these things. And He's not just tantalizing it and putting it out here, you know. <laughs> but he's, what He's doing, he's, he's inspiring us that even in the times that we live in now, which can be, you know, with trials and such, uh, He's made us sure that we'll share in these great joys as we even experience now. These are, uh, it's they're significant with the joys that we have now. And it's a foretaste, though. Something uh, immensely much better. And so all the all the changes that take place in us now as the Holy Spirit works in us is preparing us to as we will move in to the eternal state as we think about it. So the the earnest is giving us assurance at the same time we get the enjoyment of actual having a portion of him. I have assurance that I will receive everything that he has promised ultimately. Spirit of God. Amazing. Um, 
that's a little bit about the about the meaning. I don't want to go overboard with it, but uh, it it should be something very powerful to us when we think about this and how much a uh, truth it is. Uh, look in Romans eight verse eleven. By the way, um, just looking at verse 9, if anybody was to ever tell you that you're not a Christian until you have the, the Spirit of God, right? Or didn't have that baptism or the speaking tongues, it says in verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Here's a verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, again he says that, who raised Jesus Christ Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So, um, the power that Christ had from the resurrection, as we think about that this week, uh, coming out of the dead, uh, also is the same Holy Spirit that uh, gives life to our mortal bodies. So, quite a powerful thing that uh, that happens there. Then go to verse 23. He's pointing to what is happening now and into the future. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. There we go. It sounds like that word earnest there, doesn't it? The first fruits, something that's already there. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption. What's the adoption here? We've already been adopted in the family. What's this? The redemption of our body. That's our problem. Our bodies haven't been redeemed. (laughs) They will die. (laughs) Yeah, we experience all that, don't we? But we're eagerly waiting for that. That's why we we look forward to... uh, uh, that change. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5. Along the same line, starting in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, tents are not permanent, are they? It's destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly. I know you groan every day that you wake up. Oh, Desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Here we go who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we know that. We have assurance of our own resurrection. Get a new body. A redeemed body. new body. I know that when I was a nurse, because somebody said you don't ever let a patient die in baby. Or they won't go to heaven. Oh, I've never heard of 
I wonder if that's where they got that from. Well, I mean, when you think about it, half of the time if you're working on a patient who's practically dead, they are naked because you have them stripped down to nothing to work on. But I thought, as you read that, that made me wonder. Have you not heard that? Uh, that's, that's new to me. I don't doubt it, but I have no answer for you. <laughs> okay, well, we have a foretaste, though, don't we? We have a foretaste. And uh, it might be a small fraction, but it's a foretaste of this future endowment that we have. I'm entering into the glory with even a measure right now. I have that glory. Small portion. But I can bear it in that flesh now. Go to Second Corinthians chapter three. I think we uh, mentioned this earlier. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He's changing us. He's changing us. Even right now, He's changing us as we peer into the Word of God, as it says here, just as we behold Him in the mirror, as, as we look at this, we see the glory of God in the Word of God, as we're being led by the Spirit of God to be enlightened and uh, illuminated by who He is and what He's doing, we're being changed. Maybe a slow process, but that's part of the sanctification. But uh, we see a little glimpse of His glory constantly, just just through His Word, seeing the beauty of who He is. We may not see physically, but we're seeing the spiritual things that have um, that who He is. As we we know more and more, like what Sandy was saying, at one time you didn't see these truths like you see now, but there was a changing. There's a changing. That process continues, and it doesn't have to stop, and it, and, it, and it won't really. With God working in you, it's He's going to do what He wants. But if we yield to Him, how much how much uh, better it is, isn't it? Working out our salvation. First Corinthians thirteen, verse twelve. As he is talking about the idea of tongues in First Corinthians thirteen, since we were talking about that, he says this: For now we see in a mirror dimly. We see in there, and they used uh, what did they use for mirrors then? It wasn't like glass that we see today. It was like metal. Uh, uh, pipe hands, you know, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, aluminum and that kind of thing, right? You can see the image there, but it's not really clear, right? Yeah, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. But then I shall know. A little bit, a little bit. I have quite a bit here. Much more. And what's happening even right now, even though we may not see that in Ephesians 5, where you have husbands love your wives and such, um, in verse 27 it says, 
that he, speaking of Christ, might present her, that's the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, we have our blemishes, and we have our moments where we are not holy, where we have sinned. We have... Our, the chain of sin is broken. That's been broken. But yet we we still uh, have those thoughts or even those acts. And that doesn't excuse it. But we are to be holy. We're commanded to be holy. And even even right now, even though as we live in this body, we may not feel like we're holy, but we are because of God's Spirit that's in us and that new man. And eventually we will be without any kind of blemish at all. But in another sense, it's happening, isn't it? As we're being changed from one image to another. From glory to glory. Go to Jude 24. This is all a work of God. This is the Holy Spirit that does this. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling... Jude 24. That's that's uh, no, chapter 24. 24. <laughs> Verse 24, right? And to present you faultless. He's able to do that, isn't he? Before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. You like that? He is able. And that word able is a power word there. And I would need to check the New Testament Greek, but I tend to think it's probably related to dunamis there. A lot of times when you see the word able, it's it's a power word that God has. He's the one who is able to keep us from stumbling. When people say that you can turn from God, you can be a Christian and turn from God and then not be a Christian anymore. Uh, what Jude is saying here, God is the one that keeps us. He keeps us from stumbling. He is the one that's powerful enough and if it were left up to us, we would stumble constantly. But He's going to present us faultless before the presence of His glory. Can you imagine standing before Him? It's only because of what Christ has done. And it's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, even right now. But before His glory and with exceeding joy. Uh, read verse 25. Look at this. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Now, that's praise, isn't it? That's about glory to God. Uh, right there in Jude, he's, he's talking about maintaining our lives with God. And then after that, then he comes along and says, hey, God is able to keep you from stumbling, and, and uh, not only stumbling, but uh, falling completely and falling away from God. Uh, you look at through any chapter in, in the New Testament, you'll probably see something even with assurance, and we certainly see it in Ephesians, don't we? It's the Holy Spirit who's doing that great work. Um, what about this? Um, what about this redemption? Get ready to close it out here. Until the redemption. He's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption. I think this until brings out the earnest part even more clearly because it's saying 
you have the Holy Spirit now, you have that, and until there's even going to be something more. What is it? The redemption. The, uh, com- the completion. Uh, redemption here is dealing with deliverance by means of a payment. Uh, it's the final completion. And in this context, it's talking about the, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is present in our bodies now. Because the Spirit is in me, I know that my body is destined to be delivered to its final state. Glorification. And then you get into this purchased possession. And there's two different ways that can be taken here. Anytime you get into interpreting Scripture, there are a lot of ways that things can go sometimes, and they both be correct. And either way we can go with this, we can be correct, because they're both biblically true. What is Paul saying here? I I think, um, well, I'll just say, for one thing, it could be God's viewpoint. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession? Until we are, the, if you're coming from God's viewpoint, we are the possession of God. He's the one that He has purchased. And so, therefore, that's talking about us. And um, this ceiling that we have, it, it extends all the way to the final redemption. And, and God has purchased His. He has His own. Um, what did He call Israel? Yeah, in, way back in Exodus. Exodus 19. Just a little before He gave the law. Verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Exodus 14, what? That was uh, 19. Exodus 19, 5. Sorry there. Uh, You're in Exodus. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Keep going through. Uh, look at uh, Deuteronomy. That's 7, right? Look at chapter 14, verse 2. Keeps reminding them over and over. For you are a holy people, a set-apart people, to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Chapter 26 of Deuteronomy, verse 18. Keeps reminding them. Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be His special people, just as He promised you that you should keep all His commandments. What was that? 26.18 there. Oh, Isaiah. Let's go into uh, the prophet here. That was the time of the law. Isaiah 43, 20-21. Same kind of thing. <coughs> Isaiah 43, 20-21. 
feast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, this people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Talking about his people. His people. Um, the ones that he has for his own. Let's go to New Testament. Let's go to First Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter kind of quoted out of the Old Testament there, didn't he? But um, we are a special people. But we weren't a people when... Before the Gentiles were brought in, okay, and now yeah. we are. Okay, and then of course, as far as uh, our our own self is concerned, we were we were not, of course. Okay. But there, we are, you can see the Gentiles brought in with the Jews. What's that? We were the dogs. We were dogs. Yeah, dogs. Hey, dogs. <laughs> 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 uh oh! Now we're now we're getting to the. <laughs> Okay, we'll move on. Right. <laughs> Titus. <laughs> Titus 2.14 Who gave himself, speaking of Christ, for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. God rescues his own people, his own possession. All creation belongs to God. He has everything. And He redeems the ones that He has chosen for His own sake, for His own glory. And it's even, even more than for our own sake, even though that plays a great big part, but it's even bigger than that. It's for His glory. That's His ultimate goal. Did we we do the Isaiah 43 a while ago? We did, didn't we? Anyway, uh, when you when you come to this very end of this section of this sentence, as he said, we've been sealed and we've been given this earnest until it's going to finally that that earnest is going to come to its completion, the purchase possession. We could we could see that some people take it uh, this as. Not God's viewpoint, but they can say, okay, it's man's viewpoint here, and, and still be, uh, in a sense, okay until the redemption of the purchased possession. Um, whatever it is, I like the idea coming from the God viewpoint, in the sense that we are His, that possession. I could say the, 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 the purchased possession is what heaven is about and such but uh, we're saved for his glory we're saved we're blessed and it's because God wanted to save us all the way back to the verse 3 and then into verse 4 and and all that he has done Uh, he saved us in order ultimately that we would give him great glory as he closes out to the praise of his glory there in verse 14 Somebody 
had summed this up, and I thought they put it very well. Yeah, here's the message to uh, every believer. It's kind of this area where we've been. He said this. So then, what is God saying to us when He gives us His Holy Spirit and calls Him a down payment? He is saying, My great desire for those who believe in Me is that you feel secure in My love. I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. I have predestined you to my children to be my children forever. I have redeemed you by the blood of my Son, and I have put my Spirit in you as a seal and a, a guarantee, or what? Honest. Therefore, you will receive the inheritance and praise the glory of my grace forever and ever. And I tell you this here in Ephesians chapter 1 because I want you to feel secure in my love and my power. I don't promise you an easy life. In fact, through many tribulations, you must enter the kingdom. Acts 14.22 I don't promise always to speak in soft tones of approval, but to warn you in love whenever you begin to seek security in anything but me. I think that was Piper who said that. I didn't put the name down on it. it sounds like his wording, doesn't it? Yeah. Just a summary of the first 14 verses. Bingo. Absolutely it. That was it. We could have just said that and moved on into verse 15 back uh, in January. over to my house and my garden and done a whole bunch of stuff for me. Anyway. That uh, that puts us up to this uh, this prayer for uh, the wisdom that God has given us that we understand these things and uh, concentrate on them because uh, how can anything be less than uh, the glory of God whenever we we think about what uh, He is, who He is, what He's done, and then He wants us to know that. Great prayer here. Matter of fact, let's read it as our closing prayer. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we say, Amen. Amen. Be praying for our uh, government, our state government,